Whether you're buying a new car, a used car, or refinancing your current car, FedChoice Federal Credit Union could help save you money. FedChoice makes buying a car so easy that you can do everything right from your smartphone or on a computer. Become a member today and you can take advantage of their great rates and financing options. Find out more at FedChoice.org. That's FedChoice.org. Membership open to federal employees including contractors and their families. FedChoice Federal Credit Union insured by NCUA. Gone, absent, away, lost, disappeared, astray, removed, unaccounted for. There are many words you can use when someone is missing, but which one accurately describes what happened to Terrence Woods? The 27-year-old world-traveling video and film producer never came home from his last shoot in the Idaho wilderness. There are so many questions surrounding the odd circumstances like, did he really just run down a cliff and vanish without a trace? This podcast will attempt to answer those questions a little differently. As you see, this story is still unfolding with many angles to investigate. As we start out, we don't know where those avenues will lead. Right now, all roads lead to Idaho. Idaho is, in a word, epic. Idaho tourism videos on YouTube reveal a stunning landscape. The state's wide southern border is shared with Nevada and Utah. Wyoming and Montana cut in on the right. To the left is Oregon and Washington, and the north spout shares a border with Canada. The larger cities are along the edges, popular with nature lovers and adventure addicts. <laughs> north central Idaho is the least populated part of the state, accented by wild rivers and jagged snow-capped mountains. It's home to the largest wilderness area in the continental U.S., and Idaho County is right in the middle of it. In 1861, Elk City was Idaho County's first gold rush town, bringing legions of miners searching for riches. October 8, 2018, three days after Terrence Woods disappeared, his parents arrived in Elk City searching for their son. Seeing nothing but mountains, mountains. It was at night, it was nothing but mountains, 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 and we drive and drive and I'll never go back there again if I don't have to. Mm -hmm. Why not? The feeling wasn't good. It was like, um, it's the worst day. It's the worst. Because I didn't really want to fly. And I knew I had to. And I didn't know what to expect. I was hoping that was going to bring him home. I didn't know what to expect out of Idaho. I, I didn't know, you know, what we were going to be facing, if we were going to be facing people that were friendly and willing to help us. I, I didn't know what we were going to be facing. Yeah. Did you find anybody there that was friendly and willing to help? I thought they all were pretty friendly when we got there. It, it, I was very surprised of um, the compassion that, you know, the people had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Terrence's dad said it seemed like people knew who you were, <laughs> like, or, oh, you must be that guy's. They, they were familiar with the story. Um, a lot of people said that, you know, we were out looking, we were out searching, um, you know, um, yeah, they were familiar with the story. Um, I think, like, the people in the hotel, they knew we were coming and, and stuff like that. They, they made it comfortable. They had food there waiting when we got there. And, That's yeah. so nice. It was very nice. 
It was very nice. They were very, very nice. The next morning, Terrence and Valerie retraced their son's steps. The gateway in on West Main Street in Grangeville, where he checked in on October 4th, and Oscar's restaurant, because they were told that Terrence had given his number to a girl there after the crew met for dinner. But they weren't able to track her down. It was people inside the hotel and inside. When I went in the store, it seemed like everyone knew what it took place. I went in the gas station, and people said, oh, your son is missing. Like, okay, so it's like everyone knows what go on in this town, but no one knew anything. But everybody knew that I was this person coming in town looking for my son. Finally, a meeting at the Idaho County Sheriff's Office where they expected to get some clarity from the production crew. But only one person from the shoot was there. It was Simon G, plus two raw TV executives who had flown in from London. Only person from the crew to stay was Simon. Ten other people that was with them, that everyone was supposed to be there. When, it, when I spoke with them, they said everyone was going to be there, meaning the 11 people that was on the shoot. Well, once I went there that day, when we went to meet with everyone, they said everyone left except Simon. So when we asked, well, what's the people's name? They said they can't give anyone's information because it's not a criminal investigation, so they didn't have to give us anyone's name. And did you ask about where's everyone else? They said they left. That's like when we took the car back, the rental car back the day we left, when we took the car back to Avis Rental in the airport, they said, um, you know, we had to go retrieve the vehicle from the rest of the crew. What do you mean you had to go retrieve? According to Terrence and Valerie, Simon G. proceeded to tell them his account, that the shoot was wrapping up for the day, Simon was in the vehicle doing paperwork, and he could see Terrence talking to a woman at the mine. Then Terrence walked past Simon's view, dropped his radio, and took off running down the steep, heavily wooded cliff. Again, Raw TV has denied our request to speak to anyone on the crew or to even contact them for us. As you've heard, Terrence's parents had a lot of questions. Before the meeting, they got a copy of the 911 call log and were shocked to read the notes that Terrence allegedly had a mental breakdown. Then when we went to the meeting and I asked Simon certain questions, he said, no, I never said it was anything wrong with your son. I said, you didn't mention to me that my son had a anxiety? No, I never said any of this. I said, so it was never nothing said anything negative about my son having a nervous breakdown. The sheriff, Sheriff Griffin, he looks now at the paper. He said, I have the original police report right here in front of me. He says, nothing on there saying that your son had a problem. I said, there's nothing on there saying that? No. So now I'm saying to myself, something's not right here. You're the sheriff. I'm questioning this dude saying stuff that I know was said, and now you're looking down at the paper and telling me this wasn't said. I was a little irritated at first because um, uh, when we first went to the sheriff's office, I felt like the production crew should have been there, and they wasn't. And, and so I was a little upset behind that. And um, um, we didn't meet them until uh, maybe the third day that we were there. Um, it was so many different stories. You know, they said that they described him as being um, of dark skin. They said that he had a panic attack. They said they had to debrief him before they went out on the, um, uh, 
uh, before they went out to the scene, the, the site, and then they said that, um, um, then they turned around and they said, oh, well, we didn't say he had a panic attack or he was having a mental anything, and um, nobody had it, you know, they said detained at first is what they said, and then they came back and said uh, debrief. So it, I, you must have asked, well, excuse yeah. me, what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. And so then um, when we did ask, they said, well, no, we didn't have to detain him. Nobody said we had to detain him. What we were saying was we had to debrief him. And basically that was about, uh, you know, the animals in the woods and and that, you know, there's stuff in the, said that he was asking about bears and, and you know, the wildlife there. And he said that they had, you know, stuff in the vehicles that will, you know, uh, assist with anything if they come across any wildlife or, you know, something, it, it, they were prepared for it. Terrence apparently was prepared for the wilderness too. Idaho County officers gave Mr. Woods his son's backpack that he left at the site. Inside, a couple of camera batteries, Sharpie pens, ibuprofen and cough drops, hand cream, an iPhone charger, plus a three-inch folding tactical knife and a stun gun. Later, the detective would tell Valerie that if Terrence truly had expressed a fear of wild animals, it makes zero sense that he'd leave any defense behind and run directly into the path of danger. At this point in the investigation, searchers continued to scour the area with dog teams, ATV crews on foot, and rescue helicopters when the rain and snow allowed. The chute was said to be near the old Penman mine, at least two hours southeast by car and 6,000 feet uphill from the sheriff's office. Terrence's parents decided not to go see it. I never went to the site. You didn't? No. I didn't want to go to the site. Why not? I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see it. Yeah, I didn't want to see it. Just would have been too much? For sure. It's all too much, to be honest. 48 hours later, the sheriff's office called off the search. No leads were obtained from the previous seven days of searching, reads the Facebook post, where the department puts all its public information, and, quote, no signs of Mr. Woods have been located in the search area or the expanded search area. Terrence's father arrived home with his son's backpack, suitcase, laptop, journal, and a heavy heart. I close my eyes and I hear my son yelling. I, my son keeps saying, Dad, Dad. And I hear my son crying. Yep. And then I just sit up in my bed and I walk, walk around the house because I can't go to sleep. Yep. When we visited for our interview, Terrence's suitcase, a bright blue nylon roller bag with an airline tag looped around the top handle, was still in his bedroom closet. That's his luggage I brought home. Yep. Have you gone through it? Nope. Not yet. You don't know if there's anything in there that might... I'm going one day. When Terrence vanished, it's believed his cell phone was with him. The family says detectives never asked for Terrence's cell phone records, never did a search history of Terrence's laptop. That would require going to a judge and getting a subpoena, but it's not a layup. 
Detectives would need to show some evidence of a crime or that the missing person is endangered. The sheriff has told local media in Idaho that the evidence shows Terrence intended to disappear. Still, his parents can't get over the feeling that things just don't add up. The way he's saying things happen, I question it. I question it. Mm -hmm. But you just got to wonder, like, if it's that difficult, how far could Terrence have gotten? Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, he's a smart kid. He is most definitely smart. Um, and he's not a kid, but he's yeah, definitely yeah. smart. He's always your kid. <laughs> yeah, always with a baby. Um, but, um, you know, he, I think he faces challenges head on. And if he was fearful of something, you know, or, or trying to get away, I, you know, I think he, he would do what he has to do to get away. And I, it, whatever happened and he, felt he ran off, if he ran off or what have you, I, I felt like he felt the need to do so. What do you think, what do you think happened? What does your gut tell you? My gut tell me that, you know, he was uncomfortable in an in a uncomfortable situation and he wanted to get away. He was trying to get away. You have a crew of people, they more than one day and can't find a trace of him. He's somewhere he'd never been before in his life. The population in Elk City, Idaho is 201 people. Everyone knows everything about each, everybody. So how does one person just poof, disappear? Without any more clues from the Sheriff's Department, Terrence Sr. decided to hire a private investigator. Well, what did you get from the private investigator? A big bill, oh, $4,000. $4,000. did? What, For, he went to Elk City, he spoke with people. He went to the restaurant, spoke with people in the restaurant, same restaurant I went to. He took videos of the hotel hallway. It cost me $600 for just a hallway. I don't know why. He took pictures of the cliff. He called people in London, which the phone calls were $300 a call. So, but when I told him, I said, I need you to check his passport, see if there's any movement on his passport. No problem, that was an extra $1,600. Can't get no information on it. I need you to check his bank account. I definitely can do that. Didn't get any information on that. I need you to find out what happened to that rental car. No information on that. I think right now, I believe the sheriff department, everybody there, they're going on with their life. The discouragement didn't get any better when Mr. Woods went on a radio program to talk about the case. And a caller suggested that racism or corruption might be reasons the police investigation didn't go further. The detective heard about it took offense, and sent an email to Mr. Woods saying, one, he is neither racist nor corrupt, and two, he'd no longer communicate with Mr. Woods. Derricka Wilson, co-founder of the Black and Missing Foundation, is helping the Woods family. She says their feelings of dismissal are real. Wow, this case right here is very bizarre. Um, from a law enforcement perspective, it really made me angry just seeing the relaxed attitude that police had towards this father whose son is missing. Lack of information from Terrence's accounts is also troubling to Ms. Wilson, who used to be in law enforcement herself. It takes a relationship with law enforcement to be able to help get that information out there, you know, to, to request the subpoena, because of course, Harris is an adult, mm -hmm. and if he doesn't have, you know, 
his father as an authorized party, then it really is difficult. But that's where the police would come in hand, where you're working back and forth with them to say, look, I'm trying to, you know, access my son's phone records. I'm trying to access my son's bank account to see if there's any activity. So from a police standpoint, that is something that I would do as an officer as a part of the investigation. I'll see if there's been any transactions um, leading up to the time that he's disappeared to after to see if um, if there's anything that you know stands out. Mm -hmm. um, the phone records, what was the last call that came to his phone, if there have been any communication, any text messages. He's a young guy, so I'm quite sure he has friends. And he, may, he may have shared some things with his friends as well that he may not have felt, you know, comfortable enough to share with his father, you know, how kids are. Mm -hmm. But that, that could lead to more information that would be helpful for this investigation as well. We were able to talk to three of Terrence's friends on the record, three who have known him since college and were in contact with him regularly. One told Anjali about an interesting text exchange with Terrence right before his trip. He didn't, he seemed like he didn't want to go. And then I think it was that week he was leaving, he had texted me and said um, that he was flying out to out west on that that weekend and he sent like a like a frown emoji or, or something like that and he he like I, I laughed it off just because it was Terrence like that's all we did was like laugh um, but he just he didn't seem like he wanted to go he was excited to go to Alaska and it was just like he I thought he would be excited to go out west to, to do like filming and all that because that's what he also loves to do and he wasn't excited so I it, it was it it wasn't shocking to me, but it did seem a little off. That's Katie. She lives in eastern Virginia and could only be reached by phone. Two others in their friend group, Zainab and Samar, are here in the D.C. area. It's still hard. We have conversations amongst ourselves where, you know, like the other day we were actually at out and we saw someone that looked like Terrence. Just like and Terrence. Like, <laughs> we were like, oh, and Samar pointed out, like, that guy looks just, just like, like Terrence. Him. And we both just, like, looked and, like, our hearts just dropped. I could not um, stop staring at him, literally, because <laughs> he just reminded me so much of him. They agreed to come into the Fox 5 podcast studio to discuss the case with Anjali Hemphill. Both said the account of Terrence's behavior on that trip doesn't match the guy they know. He seemed to be really thriving um, and doing really great, a really great job. Like I just, just following him on all his social media accounts. It seemed like he was really living the dream. I actually saw Terrence when he was living in London. Um, I happened to travel to London, and um, he was just coming back from a, an amazing trip in Turkey. He seemed really excited about it. Nothing that seemed out of the ordinary because of the fact that he had done such... So much, in so, so much short sure. amount of time. <laughs> Did he ever talk about being in a dangerous situation or anything in, in those other shoots that he had gone on? Because he had been to some rugged terrain and, and in the wilderness, very similar to this shoot. Um, did he, you know, was that ever a, did he ever talk about how that bothered him or any sort of fears about that? No. He's never expressed any yeah. fears. He's never, he's just expressed excitement. The friends, both journalists, tried to track down Terrence's last movements, especially after seeing his final Instagram post. It's titled simply, Idaho. The viewer peers through thick wood trusses forming two X's on a sepia-toned footbridge below a river with rocky banks to the left and soft golden leaves to the right. 
A light fog is rising in the distance, wisping around the tips of tall timbers. That's very apparent, so I didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. But after he disappeared, looking at that, it just felt very eerie. Yeah, it was definitely very eerie. Um, It wasn't anything out of the normal from what I would think um, Terrence would post, essentially, because he's very creative and I think he appreciates, you know, nature and he can appreciate um, all aspects of life. Um, But probably looking at it now, I'm like, it's just kind of weird how he posted that and then, you know, within 24 or 48 hours, he's gone. They reached out to Instagram and the Sheriff's Department, hoping maybe that information on the place and time of the photo's upload would help. They felt their inquiries and suggestions weren't taken seriously. It makes you a little angry that you feel that your friend's case is being neglected and that you're not hearing any answers. Um, it's hard not to get upset or feel hopeless, you know, from time to time, especially now since it's been, a f- you know, four or five months since he's been gone. His birthday passed already. He's still gone. Um, you know, I'm, are, are we going to ever hear anything about Terrence? Like, will it be 10 years later and we're wondering, like, you know, if we'll ever hear anything about him? And that's the hardest part is knowing every day you don't know if you're ever going to hear anything. While Anjali is interviewing Samar and Zainab, I'm at my desk. I'm trying to get in touch with a private investigator Terrence's dad hired and still working to track down production crew members through their social media. It's time consuming. Searching names, cross-referencing resumes and photos, checking to see if people have the same friend circles. I'm pretty sure I've found Nathan Morris, whose name was on the 911 dispatch log and the itinerary. He has a professional website with links to a Vimeo page. There's a video titled, The Last Few Months, and I see that some of the clips appear to be in the same places as the photos Terrence texted to his parents. The long stretch of highway, the rocky river cutting through a misty canyon. Then I find Nathan's Instagram page with a post from Oregrand, Idaho. That's the town closest to the Penman Mine. It's a photo of a man with a stubbled beard and broad nose sitting on a drab-colored ATV. Next to him is a large dog wearing an orange bandana. The man has on a tan-knit cap, brown jacket, jeans, and leather work gloves. And there's a name. I have to share it with the group. I just found a guy. Mm -hmm. And check this out on his Instagram page. This picture is an Oregon or Grande, Idaho, yeah. which, you know, is the town eight miles north of the mine. It was posted on October 8th, 2018. And he's got a picture of a guy on an ATV. We knew that they hired ATV crews to take them to and from Grangeville, Idaho, to the mine. And he says, Benny, this man is amazing. It's been a pretty intense few days, but it's pretty amazing the con- connections you get from moments like this. And he also makes a joke, and that dog has really, really bad breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But this is eerie to me. What does he mean by it's been a pretty intense few days? Yeah. Oh, like part of the search? Right. Maybe? Yeah. But he was he was part of that crew. Yeah. He was on that crew. Right, right. Oh wow. Benny. Another name to put on our list. Another person who might be able to tell us what happened in those woods on the evening of October fifth. The four of us continue talking about the case. Did he ever talk about being in the wilderness or being afraid of um I mean, I've never heard him tell me he was scared of anything. I tell them what I discovered in reading Terrence's journal. Three words he wrote in blue ink, all caps and underlined. The Great Reset. His reason for returning home and re-examining his purpose. He did mention that, you know, he was a little bit tired of traveling. Because, I mean, he's been all over. 
um, and I don't blame him. Um, I, I would want to rest at home too. When I spoke to him in London, he seemed to be loving London and you know loving all his travels, but it did seem like he was a little homesick also. Like he wanted to you know come and spend some time with um, family and just kind of you know see what was next for him. In the pages of the black leather bound notebook, it's clear that Terence's love of the whirlwind life in London had soured a bit. He wrote, quote, disillusionment with celebrity, media slash entertainment industry, disillusionment with producing, drugs again, etc., but hollowness for lack of a better word. There's a list of desires, his own house, a car, a dog, and a family, and conflicted feelings, quote, you're smart, experienced, educated enough to change career paths. They can take care of themselves. No need to work for them to make their lives better. They're fine in doing their own things. In the end, come home not for family, career, or NYC, but to reset clock. I'm told the detectives dismissed the journal as indecipherable rants, so they gave it back to Terrence's dad. But to us, it does give some insight to Terrence's state of mind. He listed several reasons for wanting to leave London, including excuse to lose contact with people you shouldn't be in touch with. So far, we haven't been able to locate anyone from Terence's social circle in England who might know more about Terence's inner thoughts. Zainab and Samar say they may have some contacts, anything to try to understand what happened and help Terence's family. It's like you wake up every day and you have to re-remind yourself that someone you care about is missing. Um, and I just feel awful for his family. Um, you know, to not know where your child is, someone that you deeply care about, you love unconditionally. Um, I can't imagine what they're going through. There are fathers, mothers, and daughters who know exactly what Terrence's family is going through. Other families who dropped everything and flew out to search for their loved ones who disappeared into those woods. Turns out several other people are missing in Idaho County right now. Later, when Anjali, Ronnie, and I regroup at my desk, we discuss it. It's pretty crazy. So do, what do you think? Would that be an interesting part of, an interesting angle to the story? Yeah, I think so. Just to understand, like, mm -hmm. how many people did, I don't, that's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. How many people disappear in Idaho? Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's where I am. Um, All right, well, it's certainly, every time we talk, it, you know, I mean, unfortunately it makes more questions, but uh, we do, I do feel like we're moving forward. In our next episode... They looked at us like, like, okay, your kids are missing, and, and they, they, you know, get over it. They're dead. They'll show up sooner or later, or they won't. The father of another young man who went missing has some harsh words about the Idaho County Sheriff's Office. And the sheriff agrees to an interview, revealing a surprising theory about what happened after Terrence went into the woods. Thank you for listening to this podcast, part of the Missing Pieces series produced by Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Many, many people took time to help us in our search for information, and we are so appreciative of that. We're also grateful to the family and friends of Terrence Woods for sharing their stories with us and hopeful that one day they will get the answers they so desperately need. If you have any information that could help investigators or Terrence Woods' family, please contact the Idaho County Sheriff's Office. And one more thing. 
We'd love for you to join our Fox 5 Missing Pieces Facebook group. I'll be posting pictures and video from our episodes, and you can share your thoughts and questions or post messages for Terrence's family.